At the home of Mary and Martha, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations they had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you. So here we've got Martha and her younger sister, Mary. They're both young, unmarried. They live together with their brother, Lazarus. And they're really good friends with Jesus. Um, Jesus knows them very well. They're possibly old childhood friends. They go back a long way. And they feature in the Bible three times. So there's this story. Then there's the story where Lazarus dies and is raised by Jesus. And there's also another story in John 12. And I'm going to talk a bit about that later. But they feature in Jesus' life. They're very important to him. So at short notice... They are to host Jesus and his disciples. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus wouldn't have just rocked up and been like, can you take us all in? There's 15 of us, is that okay? 13? Do my math. <laughs> I was counting Mary and Martha. Um, but word would have been sent ahead. But at fairly short notice, they are to host the disciples. Now, the name Martha is an Aramaic name, and it means sovereign lady or ruling lady. And there's nothing at all in the Bible to suggest what they look like. But I reckon Martha looked like her name, a ruling lady. I reckon she was maternal. She was the eldest of three siblings, and she looked after her, her younger siblings. So I think she had a maternal figure. You know, strong shoulders and ample bosoms. <laughs> I think she was plump or curvy, depending on what you say. But someone you wouldn't really mess with. I know what you're thinking. I've just described myself. <laughs> now I'm slightly regretting ample bosoms. <laughs> now, Mary, on the other hand, the youngest of three siblings, can you just put your hand up if you are the youngest sibling in your family? Ah, uh, yeah, I see. You lot. You're the ones that got away with everything, weren't you? Because you're cute. That's what Mary looked like to me. She's young, she's cute. She's got a slender figure and big eyes, long flowing arms. Holly Walker, if you like. So there we have it, Martha and Mary. <laughs> so Jesus and his disciples have turned up. They're weary, they're tired, they've walked a long way. And Martha, being Martha, does not want to just serve the first century equivalent of fish and chips. Oh no, she's gone to town. She wants to make fresh homemade soup, not Heinz tin tomato soup. She's got all the best ingredients. She's going to boil them down. She's got bread proofing in the proofing oven in first century Palestine. She's got a huge joint of meat, lamb or beef, and it's in the oven. It's got to that stage of cooking where you're just starting to smell it. I'm really sorry if you're vegetarian, but broccoli doesn't quite smell the same, does it? 
You know, when it's just hitting your nose, you can smell it cooking. Not the broccoli, the beef. <laughs> she's doing vegetables, she's doing roast potatoes, she's doing Yorkshire pudding, she's doing gravy. And as for dessert, I have no idea what she would do for dessert. But my go-to showstopper is a pavlova. And in fact, many years ago, we had dinner at the Faulkner's house. That's a family in G2, some of you will know. I can't see them, I think they've gone down to kids' work. Um, if you ever get invited to the Faulkner's house, just say yes. Whatever you're doing, <laughs> drop your plans, get dinner at the Faulkner's house, it's so good. And we went for dinner, and then Leslie brings out this pavlova, and it was amazing. It was huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, crusty on the outside, soft in the middle, marshmallowy, creamy, loads of fruit on top, and I just looked at it and I thought, I can only aspire to make something as beautiful as that. One day, well, I'm so happy, because I've cracked it. I make a really good pavlova. So, let's pretend Martha's going to make a pavlova. She's busy, busy, busy in the kitchen, getting on loads to do. She suddenly realises, Mary, nowhere to be seen. Oh no, Mary... Her younger sister, her sous chef, her helper in the kitchen, she's merrily sitting down chatting to Jesus. Now, when I first read this, you know sometimes you read the Bible and you're challenged by it? I wasn't challenged, I was angry. I was angry by what Jesus said. Martha says, Jesus, don't you even care that Mary isn't helping me in the kitchen? Now, what you need to know about me, in case it's not entirely obvious, is I'm totally Martha. Not just in my looks, but how I act. So, if we were to draw a line all the way down the hall, Mary here, Martha down there, which is stupid, because Mary and Martha are not polar opposites, but that's like a whole other talk. <laughs> and I said, stand on the line. Do you, do, you re, do you relate a bit more to Mary, a bit more to Martha? And everyone would stand there. You know, you always get those awkward people that think, no, I'm a perfect mixture, I'm going to stand right in the middle. You know who you are. <laughs> it's not true. I would be right at the back, so far against that wall, pushed right up. I'm so 100% Martha. And that's why I was offended by what I heard Jesus say. Now... I will admit that sometimes when women hear things, it's not always reflective of what was said, okay? And that kind of might have happened in this story. So what I heard Jesus say was, Martha, you're just really busy worrying about everything. Come and sit down like your sister is. What? How rude. What he could have said was, yeah, fair enough, Mary, go and give her a hand. She's cooking for 15 people. Or even better, yep. Come on, lads, let's all muck in. Many hands make light work. <laughs> Proverbs, quote. Let me just give you an example of what life looks like for me. Slash Martha. So, let's say it's Saturday afternoon, I'm at home, I'm married, I've got two children, we're just kind of hanging out, pottering around, there's a knock at the door. It's an old friend, just turned up. Great, come in, that's fine. Make cups of tea, Luke takes them into the living room to sit down, I find the packet of biscuits at the back of the cupboard, serve it up, and then I'm like, oh, I need to get dinner on. I'm really sorry, I'll be back in one minute, I need to get dinner on. Um, it's, it'll be dinner time soon, and you do not want to see my children when they're hungry, okay? The other day, Aaron, who's five, was so hungry, he said to Luke, I'm going to kick you in your Achilles. Because <laughs> Luke ruptured his Achilles six months ago, so that's really bad news, okay? 
He's literally found his weak spot. So, <laughs> so I'm like, right, sorry, I'll be back in one minute. I'm just going to go and uh, get the dinner on. So go uh, find the recipe on my phone, chop up all the vegetables, get it all in the oven. And then I realise my phone's really low on battery and I'm expecting a call this afternoon. So, oh, sorry, I'll be back in one minute. I'm just going to run upstairs and get my charging wire. So I run upstairs, go into the bedroom. Ah, oh, there's a massive load of washing. Now, that wouldn't normally be a problem, but at the moment, we are doing some washing for some friends who are ill and struggling a little bit. So I'm like, I really need to get that on. So I grab the washing, run back downstairs. Really sorry, I'll be with you in a minute. I'm just going to get the washing on. Go to the washing machine. It's already full of clean, wet clothes. We've all been there. So pull that out, put the next load in. I'm like, just be back in one minute. I'm just going to hang these on the line. Go outside into the garden, hang them on the line. It's a lovely sunny day. It won't take long to dry. The kids are playing in the sun, one's ginger. Sorry, I'll be back in one minute. I'm just gonna get some sun cream, get the sun cream on, on them. And then Morgan reminds me, we really need to book a dentist appointment. Bit far-fetched you think Morgan's only six, but it's true, this is the sort of thing he would remind me to do. So I'm like, yep, yeah, good point. I'll just get my phone, so phone the dentist, make the appointment, realize my phone is still really low on battery because I never got that charging wire. Back in one minute, I'm just gonna run upstairs. You can see where I'm going. It's not that I want to be busy, it's just that there's quite a lot of stuff to do all of the time, okay? And if Jesus, or my friend that's come for dinner, um, says at that point, Hannah, Hannah, stop worrying about everything, just come and sit down, that's the bit that offends me. Because I'm not worrying about everything, I'm just doing things that need to be done. They're not stressing me out, I'm just doing things. But, I wonder if, in this passage, Jesus is actually referring to Martha's actions. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted about many things, but few things are needed. He doesn't actually tell her to stop. He doesn't tell her to sit down. He doesn't tell her to change what she's doing. He doesn't refer to her actions at all. The Greek word that's used in the original text is perispeto, and this means to be pulled in different directions or to be cumbered or tangled up. I think Jesus is referring to a deeper thing going on in Martha. Maybe Martha's worried about her house. Maybe she feels like it's not good enough. Maybe she feels like she's not good enough or the food isn't good enough. Maybe she's worried about her little sister Mary. Maybe she's thinking about the fact that she'd really like to be married and that never happened for her. Maybe she's worried about money. And so if Jesus, in my moment of running around the house doing lots of things, is saying to me, oh, Hannah, stop being silly, come and sit down. And I'm like, I'm not worried about those things. But if Jesus was to stop me and say, Hannah, what are you really worried about? Well, the list is endless. I'm worried that I haven't read the Bible this week or prayed. I'm worried that the house is a mess. I'm worried that the kids are going to be naughty. I'm worried because I've put on weight since I last saw you. I'm worried because things are a bit tight financially. I'm worried because this afternoon I was going to get loads of admin done and now you're here and I can't do it and I don't know when I'm going to do it because this week is really busy. And those might not be the same things for you. Not everyone here has got children that they're worried about, but maybe it's deadlines or finishing the latest series on Netflix or social media. What, what is it that, that you're worried about? There's another Greek word that's used in this uh, text that's really important, and that's diakonia. 
And diaconia is the word that's used to describe the work that Martha is doing. So the fact that she's preparing this feast, it's diaconia, that's what she's doing. And um, the definition of that is service or ministry or leadership. It's a positive word. It's used in other places in the New Testament. And whenever it's used, it's used positively. So her work isn't the problem. What she's doing isn't the problem. Her diaconia is actually a really good thing. But it's her distraction that's the problem. It's her perispato. It's the fact that she's being pulled and dragged in different directions, that she's worrying about things that she doesn't need to worry about. And so what initially I thought was a rebuke from Jesus, I thought Jesus was saying, stop being silly, stop worrying, come and sit down. It's actually a kind and loving call to discipleship, which just means to come and follow him. He says, Martha, Martha, there's friendship. He uses her name twice. That shows friendship in his voice. He is calling to her. He's not shouting at her. Martha, Martha, you are distracted, frustrated, cumbered, tangled up. And you don't need to be. Do you know, I'd really love to pull Martha out of that story and pull her through a wormhole and travel 2,000 years to today and stand with her and say, hey, Martha, let's look at the full narrative of Jesus from being born, um, a humble birth, and being persecuted early on, the prophets that predicted his life, to his ministry, the way he told stories, he was compassionate to people, he healed people, he loved people, he turned social expectations on their head, he flipped religion over to his awful, gruesome death for us and say, Martha, you've got Jesus in your living room right now. You've got Jesus, actual real life Jesus, sitting in your chair, inviting you to be a disciple Do you really want to be distracted by whatever it is you're distracted by? Because this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And when I say that to Martha, I say it to myself, don't I? You're distracted. You've got this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to follow Jesus, to be with him, to learn from him. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. (sighs) Isn't it horrible to be told your younger sister's got it right? I don't know if many of you will remember this. Some of you are quite young. When I was little and I bought um, a cereal, when we had cereal, in the cereal, there was a prize. Can you remember it? I'm, I'm really sorry to anyone that doesn't remember it. You've missed out on a huge piece of childhood. So I'm, I'm sure that you'll also remember, if you've got siblings, that also comes with an argument. Who's going to get the prize? I distinctly remember Cocoa Pops were doing this special offer where you could get a crayon in the shape of a car and there were three colours to collect. And we'd got Cocoa Pops. We were so excited. Mum was starting to open it. 
me and my big brother, we were arguing. I want to get it. You got it last time. Well, I'm a boy, so I should get it. Arguing, arguing, arguing. Mum opens. She digs in deep. She finds the crayon. She holds it up. Who's she going to give it to? My little sister. Because she wasn't arguing. Oh. <laughs> Scarred for life. And the next time we got a box of Cocoa Pops, I'm not joking, the exact same thing happened. And my sister got another one. We hadn't learned our lesson. So, with that in mind, let's have a look at Mary. She doesn't even speak in this passage. She doesn't say a word, but she's got it right. So what is it that she's doing? Well, she's just sitting and listening to Jesus. That's not that big a deal, is it? Except that he's a teacher or a rabbi, and she's a young, unmarried woman. There's no way that that's socially acceptable in first century Palestine. And rather than doing what is expected of her, which is to be in the kitchen, working. She's taken on the role of a student. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's being a disciple. And that role is usually reserved for educated men. So she's breaking social etiquette, and Jesus is allowing her. In fact, he's not just allowing her. He's saying, you've got it right. You're doing the right thing. She's taking on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She's listening, she's asking questions, she's learning, she's following. Even though she should be in the kitchen, culturally, I'm not saying she should be in the kitchen, culturally, she should be in the kitchen, even though she isn't married, she's not educated, and she's not a man. This is Jesus saying that he is for everyone. He wants a relationship with everyone. So, there's another story where we see Mary, Martha and Lazarus and it happens in John 12. It's a little bit later on in the Bible. And again, they're having dinner. Jesus and his disciples and Martha's cooking. Um, and what happens then is Mary took about a pint of pure nard which is an expensive perfume and she poured it onto Jesus's feet and she wiped her feet um, his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume so there's two things that stand out to me in that passage the first one is that she uses a really expensive perfume it was actually worth about a year's wages that perfume now normally you'd just use water and a bit of oil so what she's doing is extraordinary, and it's breaking social etiquette. And the other thing is that she wipes his feet with her hair. Now, it would be really, really rare for Jewish women to allow their hair to be seen in public. So again, what she's doing is vulnerable, and it's breaking social etiquette. So it seems our little Mary is a bit of a rule breaker. But it also seems that so is Jesus, because he allows her to do it, and he defends her in that passage as well. There's some other um, parts of the Bible that I just want to um, refer to. So in Luke, 12, uh, Luke 14, it says, When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. In Romans 2, it says, 
God does not show favoritism. And in Colossians 3, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The message is loud and clear throughout the Bible. Jesus is for everyone and he wants relationship with everyone. It doesn't matter about your stature, your race, your religion, your gender, your education. So Martha didn't get it wrong by being busy. She got it wrong because she wasn't fully present. She was distracted. She was thinking about other things. And our story is left suspended. We don't know what happens next. Do Mary and Martha have a massive Barney and one of them storms out? Or does Mary and Martha get reconciled? Does Martha manage to finish doing what she's doing, but tune in to what Jesus is teaching? But I think we can probably all relate to Martha in some way, into that, to that feeling of being distracted, pulled in different directions or tangled. Jesus invites all of us to sit in his presence. And I don't think he means that literally. We don't have to sit. It might be when we're running or when we're at work or when we're having dinner. But Jesus is inviting us to be aware, switched on, fully present to his presence. When we're hanging out with friends or spending time with family, Jesus is there. If we're watching a film or in a lecture, Jesus is there. So we can be so easily distracted and worried that we switch off to the fact that he's there. Actual, real-life Jesus in your house, in G2, in your work. So I'd like to take a few minutes now to just become aware of where Jesus is. Do you guys just come and um, play for us? So we're going to have a few minutes of silence. And some of you might be tempted to reach for your phone to make notes or not. But can I just suggest that you don't need your phones? You don't need paper or pens. We're just going to try and become aware of where Jesus is. He might be right next to you. He might be the other side of the room. You might not know him at all, and that's fine.